Hello. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Earl does karaoke or EDK for short. I'm here today with Miss Matt, one of my Hello. oldest and dearest friends from many years ago. Hello. Matt, it has been it has been a long time since we've like sat down and had like an honest, crazy chat about ridiculous ex- existential things, but we used to, I think on a regular occasion. I agree. Yeah, it's been a while, unfortunately. That's yeah. That is not your fault. <laughs> well, work. I work mean, and life. Work and life is crazy. Um, so just a little bit of a little bit of background between me and Matt. Um, we both grew up in that small town. If if any of you have listened to the um, the Pat and Ken episode, Matt also grew up. Uh, I think I think you're what one grade under us mm-hmm. in, in school. So we we more met in like the high school time, but I think I think we knew of each other probably before that. It, it's hard for me to keep all the history completely together. I I was thinking I knew Pat when I was like five years old, and then later I was like mm, maybe not. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. And I feel like I I knew Ken and Pat and you all while I was working at Lakeside Inn briefly. Okay. Um, like I I knew your names, but I didn't know the faces. So like I knew Ken. And my mom talked about Ken quite a bit. And I was like, Ken Ottman, know the name, don't know the face. We're going to have to bleep the last name, but yes. Sure. <laughs> it's think. okay. It's no big deal. Um, so, okay, so so your mom, your mom knew of Ken? That's kind of a weird, that's kind of a weird thing in a way, but I guess not really. Like, It's not, it's not super weird if you think about, like, my mom worked at Lakeside for a long time. And... My mom worked with Jenna. Okay. And Jenna was close with Ken, and like somehow that whole mix, like they were all friends, and my mom was friends with their family somehow. I mean, your point, your point does obviously illustrate one of the things about um, being from a small town like that, because like Whitehall in general, and even the surrounding areas of Whitehall. Um, is dwarfed in size by Muskegon, and Muskegon is a, is a big town, but it's not like the biggest town, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, so, like in Muskegon, you might be able to get away with not knowing certain people. In Whitehall, you really couldn't. Um, which which kind of kind of brings me to my first kind of like I don't know. I don't want to talk about like talking points in general, but I, I have a I have a general direction I want to go for this conversation, but we can go in any direction, of course. Um, sure. So one of the things that I've I've encountered as I've gotten older is that most people, most, but not all, but most people kind of know who you are, but they have no idea who you are, right? <laughs> right? Because yeah, that's, that's, that's accurate. I, I, I realized that last year when I was talking to someone who I, um, who I used to have a crush on, uh, and she was telling me some things and I was kind of like, she was telling me some things about her perception of me when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. And, um, I was astounded by how off base they were. Like, <laughs> I was like, wow, you really didn't know me at all. Did you? And, um, it, it's funny because, uh, your, your history, at least when it comes to like how your parents treated you and things like that uh you and your and your brother 
um, and probably your sister as well, though I, I really don't have any sort of relationship with your sister. I never have. Um, Neither do I. Well, <laughs> I mean, that, that does happen. But um, we come from, we both come from very traditional households. Um, in fact, there was a time that we were living on the same street. Um, what about, what about your, see, and I don't want to, feel free to, to change the subject if you want. And we can always, we can always edit this out if you want to, but I, I know your relationship with, especially your father was a rocky one. And what about that? Did you have to overcome to be the person that you are? And I know that's a big question. That is a really big question. So I guess it was more about finding myself because for the longest time growing up, um, and not just finding, but also loving and accepting myself. Um, but for the longest time, there was this notion that I uh, had in my brain that I had to appease the male figures in my life mm -hmm. um, by adopting a certain persona, which was mm -hmm. false for me. Um, and it just wasn't working. And it was really conflicting for me through most of my teen years um, because I was, I, I felt I needed to go in one direction um, when really I, I had to go in another. Um, that's a tough, it's such a tough question to answer really. Um, you know, there's so many conflicting um, things that happened throughout my childhood, especially with my parents and, and my family. Um, you know, they would tell me one thing and then do another. And so as a child, you're left wondering, well, like, what's the right thing to do? Um, and that, that was really damaging and, and weird for me. Um, well, when you're, when you're a baby, you know, when, mm -hmm. when you first escape into the world and all of a sudden you are just this little lump of meat and you're, I mean, you might be a cute lump of meat, but you're still, you know, you're just, you learn, you're a scientist right off the bat, right? Mm -hmm. You're automatically starting to learn. You, you do have some instincts, of course, because we're animals, but you're starting to learn how to deal with whatever this world is right off the bat. And you could, you can learn, you can learn the wrong thing very quickly too. But usually when you're a baby, you're focused on the super duper basic stuff, right? right. And um, when you get to the point where you start developing your own personality, which, which happens relatively quickly, but you start to, you start to take cues, of course, from your uh, from your parents, mostly because that's hopefully who you're seeing the most. Sometimes that's not true for you know some people. I know some people don't even have parents. You know they might be gone as soon. Maybe you had someone's orphaned right off the bat, and that that sucks. But I would I would argue that your parents at that point are the people that are taking care of you, whoever you are, whoever they are. Right? It doesn't have to be biological. Um, and as you start to see your parents, especially in a traditional atmosphere like we had. Um, you start to take cues, of course, about, you know, what role do you have as a person? So uh, this happens more as you get into your teenage years, of course, but it, it, it's a slow burn. It's it's a build up to that point where you, you start to have your own concept of what the world is and you have a concept of what 
people are. And in its traditional environment, um, one thing that really stands out for, for me, and I think for you, I think I'm not speaking out of turn, is that there is a very patriarchal type of like, you need to follow this person no matter what. Um, and it, it ends up kind of putting us in a weird spot because when we were, when we were growing up in the nineties, um, we both had dads that my, my dad was barely there. Um, he was constantly drunk. Um, he wasn't abusive in a physical sense, but he was very neglectful. Right. And as I got older, I found that I was I was unconsciously following a lot of the things that he laid down for me, even though he was barely around when I was a kid after 10 years old, right? Um, so is that kind of I, I know your your dad your dad and mom were your dad and they mom were together not, for a not anymore, no. Not anymore, but they split after you were an adult, right? Correct. Yeah, I'd say it was like my mid twenties, like early to mid twenties. But you nailed it on the head, like 100%, exactly. I adopted a lot of similar behaviors and uh, ideologies that, you know, he had adopted um, unconsciously doing so. But even to kind of touch upon a point that you had brought up uh, a, a moment ago was, you know, I, I think I was one of the unfortunate few who became aware of a lot of my surrounding even earlier than my teen years because mm. um and, and to to bring it back a long time ago um i can't remember what i had for breakfast, breakfast but i can remember you know living in maryland with my brother and my family oh um, okay like distinctly i remember sights and smells of that part of my part, part of that memory it was there forever but like parts of you know my teenage years are, are totally erased um but you know, I'm five or six and I'm living in this cul-de-sac and I remember hearing the screams of my best friend's brother, you know, as his father wails on him. You know, this is this is ingrained in my memory forever. Mm -hmm. um, and no, no child should ever have to endure that. And at six, I'm thinking this is wrong. You know, I, this isn't right. Like, parents don't do this. And then fast forward and it's like, okay, my own parent is just like, okay, this is wrong. I know this is wrong. Um, this is not right. Um, and that's what my, most of my friends didn't see um, when they weren't hanging out. They would see a parent who was like, oh, this is the cool, this is the cool dad. He's cool. Like, let's go hang out at, you know, this person's house because they have a cool dad. He'll let us do this and that and this and that. And that. Um, but what you didn't see, you know, behind closed doors was a very different person. Um, and so part of me is struggling, was struggling um, to find a, a place. It's like, on one hand, it's like, okay, I have to adopt certain ideologies and certain mannerisms and behaviors in order for this person to like me and not, and not wail on me. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it's like, fuck it, <laughs> <laughs> To put it bluntly, um, and so there was a lot of confliction and a lot of, uh, um, you know, push and pull back and forth between who I am and who I was, and um, burying a lot of feelings. Um, that's something you want to touch upon. <laughs> well, we but, we are we are 
very interesting people. Um, we, and I'm, I'm not even talking about, of course, just you or just me or any of the people that we, we grew up with. I think I, I'm, I'm talking about all of us, I guess is the best way to put it, because I am a I'm a very natural observer. I'm I'm super oblivious about a lot of things. Uh, I don't exactly know exactly why that is. Um, I'm a generally trusting person uh, when it comes to basically everybody until you until you give me a reason not to trust you, then I'm generally like, all right, you got to work on it. But like, as we were growing up, and, and I was talking to I was talking to Van about this. Do you remember Van Van B? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure do. So, so I was talking to Van about this, and uh, it's it's hard for me to put into words, but the people that we grew up with and around, and the people that were in our general circle and even outside of that circle, were so different, so unique, and um, I think about it now as a father um, because I have I have three children, and uh, I look at them. And I look at the people around it, I'm like, a lot of people, I feel like we're sleepwalking through this world. And and this is something that I've brought up on the podcast before too, too. Like we're, 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 it's like a lot of people are on autopilot right now. And I, and I try, I'm trying desperately in my mind to figure out what exactly happened to a lot of us, because the people that I grew up with, uh, they're, they're still there, right? But now we're all dealing with a lot of this very similar types of trauma, and I, I never had I never had a dad uh, beat me, so I can't I can only imagine what that's like. I had a dad who was neglectful, and a dad was just basically absentee. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, um, I could only imagine what that would do to a child psychologically, and I can understand now seeing you as a person blossoming into the person that you always were meant to be um i can i feel happy about that but i'm also mad that that didn't happen earlier right i mean it's it's true i mean a lot of us went through these traumas and it took us a long time to realize that we are worth it right we're all worth uh the effort we're all worth we all have worth as people uh harris said that a lot and even though harris um even though harris was a uh a Christian, and sometimes his his message got a little bit too religious for a school setting. Um, at the same time, that was one of his main messages: was like, "We're all worth it. We're all worth hundred points, um, and we don't we don't need to worry about these these things that are small. Um, sometimes, like little fights. Like sometimes you may argue with a significant other, or sometimes you might have a little tiff with uh, a, a brother or sister, or whatever. But at the same time we can always come back and say, you know what, your relationship is worth it. And sometimes you do have to say this relationship relationship isn't worth it and you walk away, right? Um, right. And people float in and out of lives. Um, but this this kind of brings me to like the main point of this podcast, um, at least this particular episode. And, and maybe it's maybe it's about all podcasts. Uh, all of our all of the podcasts I've ever done is um, like we're we're fighting against a generational curse right um and that generational curse was something that was was handed down to your dad at a certain point and i'm I'm by no means absolving him of course of his of his uh anger 
of his physical abuse of you, but there's a good chance that he probably was as well, right? So you're handed that, and then when you, if you have kids, or if there's a situation where you're taking care of somebody or you're, you're in a caregiver position, a lot of times the knee-jerk reaction is to do exactly what your parent did to you. And that's a that's a crazy thing to me, right? And you just Actually, gotta... sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Um, I've actually adopted this this new mentality. Like when I was younger, I absolutely wanted to be a parent. Like I wanted to be a parent so bad. I thought it would be like the coolest thing and be something I could do really, really well. Now, as an adult, I'm like, I do not want kids. <laughs> oh, I don't want them at all. I want nothing to do with kids. And the second I have the money to do so, I, I'm getting the procedure done so that that, that is no longer a possibility. Um, sure. <laughs> just do not. And, and a lot of it stems from my childhood. Um, the way I was treated and the way my, my um, siblings were treated. Um, I observed that. And was like, I don't want to do that to my future children. That's possible. Um, I would never want that for them. So I would just cut that out of my life completely. So it's like, don't have them. That possibility is no longer there. So, um, and I know that seems silly, but... No, um, I just rather not run the risk at all. Like, I, I don't think I that's like a silly. Kids. I don't think that's a silly thing at all, Nat. Because uh, you you have to you have to also remember too that like I came from a traditional background too, and and I know what it's like to have your parents always talking about having kids, and oh when you're gonna when you're gonna have when you're gonna meet that person and have kids and this that and the other. And when I was a kid too, we we had the same thing like i wanted to have kids that was my main drive and goal for a long time that was a that was something that was in my mind my mind's eye and i was like i want to have kids because i want to treat them better than what my parents did with me i want to give them the ability to thrive because because i look at myself and and i don't know if we've ever talked about this but I'm, i'm actually very good at seeing potentials of people Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when I met you, when I met, uh, Wes and Chris and all those people, it was within probably the first couple of sentences that I talked to all of you that I was like, these people have amazing amounts of potential. And, and I was in awe of many of you because even in, even in high school, you started to branch out and, you know, like with you and, um, in artistry and with uh with Wes he was kind of in that too but he was more in the music vein and Chris he was more in he was kind of in the music vein but he was a little bit different about it like y'all like were branching and I I don't know if you remember me when I was when I was like a sophomore when I first really started talking to all of you um I hadn't I hadn't even like thought about any of that stuff and you 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 as a group but you also individually started to get my mind going on a creative position where I was like, oh, maybe my life doesn't have to all be like just disappointing my mom. <laughs> That's what it was at that point, right? My mom wanted me to be this intellectual madman, wanted me to get all A's, and that was just not going to happen. Not with my brain. Right. It just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so, same, like, 100% same. Like, you put homework in front of me, dude? No. 
wasn't going to happen. I was decent at tests, and that's how I passed things. Um, how many times I actually listened to a teacher? Maybe never. Maybe not once. <laughs> so, so like, being around y'all allowed me to, to actually start flexing my creative muscle. And, and as I got into my junior year, that's when I started doing like talent shows and things like that, actually using my voice. Um, you know, I, I, I really put my head down when it came to things like soccer. I really put my head down and worked when it came, things, it came, uh, came to things like, uh, like marching band. And in, in my own little reality, I was starting to kind of see my own potential. And that really started with a, a big piece of it was meeting your group of friends. So I, I honestly want to thank you for that because that was a big thing for me. And that means a lot to me. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but I mean, like, I don't think in high school we didn't really connect as deeply. You and I didn't really connect on a deeper level until, like, we were in our 20s. And that's when I really started spending more time with you. Um, and we would play, like, Ghost Recon every night mm -hmm. and, and drink uh, Seagram 7 and other <laughs> shitty liquor. <laughs> because you live like literally a couple houses down from me and um i wish i had spent more time in high school because i think i was should have should have graduated with you guys because i was held back oh, but, yeah. okay. um i think that would have drastically changed the outcome of a lot of friendships that i made and people i knew and influences i had um could have just gone completely different but i'm glad things are the way they are so yeah i mean you are you are exactly who you need to be right like and, and that's that's something that i tell myself when i'm doing um i've been starting to do meditation which has helped a little bit um i've been doing some some affirmations and things like that and it, it, it it's funny because when you come from that traditional household you come from a position where you have a patriarchal figure who is telling you who you are and and you have to appease that person somehow and and i didn't have to do that quite like you did at least based on your based on your uh uh description it was more for me with my mom i had to be i had to be kind of on my p's and q's with my mom i had to mind my manners i had to do everything she wanted to and i went through a very natural rebellious phase against her that led me to my dad when he moved to uh when he moved to whitehall which that was the opposite situation. My mom was very strict. Um, my dad was not at all because he was completely drunk all the time. And that when you are when you're 16 years old and your dad's drunk all the time, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Um, and and to my credit, I didn't go too crazy um, because I was I was taking up all my time with the other things that I told you about earlier. You know, singing, you know, marching band, soccer. That was my stuff. So it's a. It's interesting. It's crazy. It is because um, it's funny that you say that because you know I did go crazy. I got I got to do a lot of shit. And again, this this is what you see, and then what's actually happening is you know I was rebelling and I was going to parties, and going to shows, and trouble, and crazy things. And my parents. You know, what you would see my parents doing was not giving a fuck. They're like, we can't control this person. Um, we're not going to try. But nor should, doors, they, nor should they yeah. try to control you, just to jump in there. Right. 
but it should be closed, a controlling yeah right right but behind closed doors it, you know when he's had you know six or seven or eight beers it's like okay now i'm suddenly angry about what you did last weekend uh-oh <laughs> we're gonna dig into that and then you know dig your thumb into my collarbone it's like yeah. really so it's just interesting but um, the other thing sorry the other thing i was going to touch upon was it wasn't just him and this sounds weird because i love my mom with all my heart my mom and i are very close she's sweet she's great now um but i wouldn't say it was so much enabling as it was defending somebody who didn't need to be defended um if that makes any sense he he would lash out and then she would have his back and say this is kind of shitty um or she would say things she still kind of says things that are, are backhanded that you know I, I kind of get defensive about like mm-hmm. oh well you shouldn't cry about that or <laughs> when when i was younger it was boys don't cry I fucking hate. I fucking hate <laughs> so stupid is not that. true either. It has nothing to do with reality. Thing. <laughs> right. And and she would say things like that. And it's like, mm, you're not helping. So I became very resentful and very spiteful towards my mom for a long time. Um, but, you know, I I think about it now. It's like, she probably had a lot worse than we did. So it's I, a I fucked up. Imagine that. It's a fucked up pyramid scheme, right? Because you have the person at the top, and they're they're doling out whatever they dole out, and the person that's directly under them, in this case your mom, um, she she can see that she lives in a in a patriarchal dominated like this male dominated fantasy in a way, right? And and your dad has created this fantasy, and she lives in it. So when your dad enforces rules, quote unquote, or, you know, beats you or does something to you out of his twisted version of what parenting is, right? Your mom has a choice. And at some point in your mom's life with her children, with this man, she made a choice that what he did was not beyond the pale. It was not worth leaving him. It was not worth, you know, calling the cops because she may have even gone down that road at some point. I don't know. But like now, once you've made that choice, it does enable him because now he can do more. Now he's going to push the envelope. And that that sucks because the further you go around, go along, it's almost identical to being in a cult. And it's, it's screwed up because for any of you to wake up to the reality of what's going on and not give your dad the due diligence and the deference that he believes he needs and, oh, I'm your father, so I'm this, like, and, and stop me if I'm, if I'm wrong at all, but to be able to do that takes a tremendous amount of energy. It takes a tremendous amount of inward recovery from the BS that has happened to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've, I've had to deal with years of learning how to channel anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the biggest one was anger, um, was the most negative uh, emotion. 
that it had to learn how to redirect and channel and turn into something positive. Mm-hmm. That, that's been one of the weirdest things for me because I was very angry for a long time and I acted out in very negative ways some that I don't want to talk about but being um, able to turn that into something positive is like I almost feel like that's one of the meanings of life in a way yeah Um, I agree because it's when you realize that 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 hurt that you feel can be turned into something and it's something usually creative, of course, because it comes from the creative part of your brain. Um, you can, when you focus that, and you're able to do something with it, it's actually quite a revelation. Um, that was that was me. Like I was telling you earlier, that was me in high school. I was I was filled with rage because of what had happened with my mom and dad, and how my mom treated me, and how my dad treated me. I I was I was a a failure in my mom's eyes very early on because I wasn't getting straight A's um, because the moment I got B's it wasn't good enough so I realized that if I if B's aren't good enough well so are C's and D's so I might as well just kind of suck <laughs> and because that's less that's that's not as hard for me yeah I just have to deal with it every once in a while because from uh from back then back in the 90s at least um you didn't have online grades so the only time your parents were going to know how you're doing is if the teacher called or if you got a report card <laughs> and a lot of times i was good enough about getting the report card out of the uh out of the mailbox before they could see it anyway so right. <laughs> like a lot of times they didn't even realize what was going on because they were busy with their own lives right. um, but for me it was it was straight rage and i don't know if you want to put that in the uh in the anger camp as well and i still deal with oh, yeah. this I, I still i still need to find better outlets for this because rage for me there's only like a few things that can really get rid of rage and that's like it's literally like punching things <laughs> so i get that it was it was self-harm and punching things yeah i 100 percent get that um, it's tough because yeah, it's tough. <laughs> like my my means of escape at the time were getting my bike and riding my bike over to my friend's house until it was dark. Mm. And then, you know, I could slip in the back door and they would they would be asleep. And that was that was great. That was peace and that was tranquil. Mm-hmm. And that was that was like the moments where it was like the most calm was when they were sleeping. Nothing like that. It was quiet. <laughs> it was great. And I could listen to music and just kind of relax. Um yeah. Did you find that you were naturally, and, and this is kind of out of left field a little bit, but it just kind of came to my mind. Did you find that you were naturally kind of drawn to the dark, like as you got into your teenage and maybe early adult years? Oh, 100%. 100%. Interesting. Because I it, I don't know, there probably would have never been a time for me to ever talk to you about this, but I was dreadfully afraid of being alone and in the dark for a long time. And about the time that I started living with my dad, I embraced it where I was like, Oh no, I want to go to the cemetery. I want to go outside at night. I want to, like, I would take walks with, I don't know. Did we ever take like long walks at night? Sometimes probably. I'm sure we did. I I, I remember a lot of my, my, like when I was younger, a lot of things happened at night, like in the dark. And that was comfortable for me. Um, Yeah. Because a lot during the day and then was active at night. 
Well, at, at night, especially in a small town like that, everything is is done. Everything, everyone is going to sleep. And um, I, I realized that I could be alone with my thoughts. Um, but if you were going on a walk, you didn't have to worry about running into a person or talking to this person. You just walk around and it was just quiet. And it was solitude. And that was something that really resonated resonated with me as, as I started to get older. And I stopped being afraid of the dark. I was like, I want to go to the dark. I actually discovered that side of myself earlier than that. Like when I was telling you, I lived in Maryland. I think it was six or seven. Um, somewhere in that. I, I was seven when I moved to Whitehall. So it must have been sooner than that. But I remember, you know, it was a cul-de-sac. So I would walk by myself at night at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night down to this playground mm. and just be in my moment by myself and I was comfortable and happy. Um, that's kind of resonated with me for most of my life. I think that's, there hasn't been a lot of fear or anxiety at night, um, unless I'm driving, that's different. But um, just walking around and just exploring, like, I'm very comfortable in that, that setting. It's something that's always been something that I don't shy away from. Yeah, and it's like, it's almost kind of like the dark and the night was something that was, well, it is something that's more welcoming than the hustle and bustle of the day. Um, especially if that's when your parents are awake, that's when you have to deal with expectations of reality, you know, that's when you have to deal with all the dumb crap that comes with reality, right? That's the day. At night, if you, especially when you're a kid, um, that's where you can escape to. And that's, I think that's something that we have in common that I had never really thought about before. Because I was always wearing like bright, bright shirts and bright stuff. And I was dyeing my hair and doing all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think, and this is another one, another thing for like expectations. Um, and what people think they know about you and what people do actually know about you is that I don't think a lot of people would know that it was someone that was, that I would just go out at night and walk and that I would just, uh, you know, I, I would want to have long conversations about existential stuff with, you know, if it was Pat that was around or you or, or, uh, or Ken was a little bit further out in the, in the countryside, um, Danny, you know, that's someone that, that I was very close to, um, and Adam, you know, Adam, Adam and I were like extremely close, especially near the end of high school into early adulthood. Now that, that relationship soured greatly um, because I think one of the reasons why I was so close to Adam is because he was very similar to my mom. He was extreme, oh. extreme narcissist. <laughs> and I, I saw that in him and I, I don't know what's up with me and wanting to kind of like help people through stuff like that. I, I, I still haven't figured out how to, how to help people that are super narcissistic. I feel like that's one of the hardest things to help someone with. I don't know if you can. So, I mean, are you are you making the the assumption then that narcissists are lost? Like, can they never be? Can they never be helped? I, I wouldn't necessarily say they can never be helped. I just think that they have to learn to help themselves. Like, I don't I mean, know. It's if true. It's true. Necessarily, though, you know? I don't know <laughs> if it's necessarily a thing where we have to reach out and help, you know, people like that. I think it's, they have to do some inward reflection and, and yeah. find themselves in order to, you know, save themselves, I guess. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, your point is well taken. This, this is more from my perspective when I was like a teenager, and that's when I still felt like I was I could help people if I tried. Um, as as my dad took a turn for alcoholism, I tried my hardest to try to save him, and it was uh, very much a losing effort. And one of the things that still haunts me is the fact that I wasn't able to really help him. But in my mind, I know, and and I've I've told myself this many times, and I try to internalize it, is that. My dad had to choose himself. He had to figure it out. Um, Because he didn't figure it out, it didn't work out for him. So, like, with with narcissism, though, what's really tough for me is uh, the propensity for someone who's a narcissist to never acknowledge, never acknowledge a fault, never acknowledge something in the past, usually to make fun of the person, or somehow degrade the person that even asserts something that might not be true in their mind, right? So that, I don't know, that's a tough one. That That's a conversation I'll probably have on this podcast uh, in a more complete setting at some point, because uh, I could go on and on about narcissism and how that screws people up. And, right. and I, w- I, wish, I wish there was a way that we could nip it a bun. And, and honestly, one of my one of my children is probably going down that narcissistic path. So, I'm I'm trying to lay another path at that person's feet, and maybe they take sure. that path. That would be nice. <laughs> but, well, but again, it's going to be their choice. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, it's it's tough. And, and to your point about not having kids, I love my kids, but if I knew what reality was like right now before i had my kids i probably wouldn't have as many even though i love them all it's still it's still something where i'm like oh man like are they gonna be what is like if life is like this now and i think about how life was when we were kids right Mm -hmm. and if life is like this now and it's in the corporations basically are completely controlling almost everything we do um What's it going to be like in 20 years? Like, yeah, I, there's something that keeps circling back to in my own mind. of like, if life is kind of shitty right now, what's it going to be? What is what is the state of the world going to be for the children that are that we have right now? Like, what are we leaving for them? Um, you know, in like 50, no, not even that, like 50 years from now. And I'm not here, mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Um, you know, is it going to be a shithole or is it going to be paradise? I think about that a lot. That's something that really weighs heavily in my mind. The seeds seeds of paradise exist within our mind. We can can envision what a utopian, even a utopian society could be like. It just takes, it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of work and it takes working together. And, uh, that doesn't seem to be the direction of our world right now. Yeah. It seems like we're going in the opposite direction. Division. Oh yeah. Hey there, listeners. Thanks for sticking with us till the end there. Um, I really enjoyed my conversation with Nat, um, one of my another one of my older friends, and uh, <clears throat> love to have her back on the podcast, of course, in the future. Um, unfortunately, the recording cut out 
at 40 minutes because that's a Zoom meeting if you don't pay for it. <laughs> Hopefully in the future, if the podcast is successful enough, we could possibly pay for it. But I just wanted to kind of come to you guys and let you know that everything was really cool. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast, I've got about four or five lined up for this month, which is October into November. So um, if you'd like to be a guest, please send me a message or email me at e.kabala at gmail.com. And as always, I appreciate you. I definitely appreciate your uh, your listens. I can see them. I see the tally go up. Um, this is by far the most successful podcast I've ever done. Um, so my heart goes to you. Um, the one thing that I would like you to do is if you do happen to listen on Spotify or Apple or Google or any of the aggregates that I have out there, um, please rate and subscribe. That's the only way that the podcast grows. And I don't want these, this just to be a podcast for people that, you know, I know I want people that are outside of our circles to listen. So, um, and you might be hearing a little bit of howls moving castle, or yeah, howls in the background because my family's watching it, and I just wanted to make sure this was done so that I could get the podcast out, which is a little bit later than normal. Um, my typical day for release is should be uh, usually Sunday night or Monday morning, just in case. So uh, keep an eye out for that, and keep on rocking. Later.